0: To the Why God Why podcast brought to you by Browncroft Community Church. My name is Dylan Carnevale and I'm the Browncroft staff and producer of the show. I'm joined today by our host Peter Engler, the director of adult ministries at Browncroft, and John Amayo, the New York State crew director. Why God Why is a podcast where we ask 21st century questions about God that you never thought you could. And today we've got Nathan Miller. Nathan or Nate? What are we going to go by? I go with?
1: by Nate. Most likely I thought it was Nate. fine.
0: All right. Today, we've got Nate Miller. Nate is the Webster site pastor at Northridge Church. Peter and John, go
2: for it. You know, I have a lot to say about uncertainty, but I'm going to let you start.
0: You're going to let me start because oh. you're feeling so uncertain about this. Is that why it is?
2: Uh, I'm certain about you starting. Okay.
0: Well, great. Hey, well, part of the cool thing about having your own podcast, you know, is that we get to invite anybody who we want onto this show. And Unbeknownst to me, Peter, you reached out to somebody who is, I would consider very close to me in my life uh like my brother pretty much my brother we married sisters so we call each other brothers and so this is like an unbelievable moment of you know another brother moment we have a catalog of books of of brother moments that we put together and this right this is right up there this is right up there
2: i i didn't know you scrapbook
0: yeah yeah oh yeah
2: big time yeah So, on that note, we've received some feedback that we talk too much before we get to the guest. But I, I, you know, well, one person said that. I bet you most other people here love it. Ludi and Pambuki's, we know who you are. Anyways, but uh, real quick, I think I'm excited about Nate to talk about this. I got to know Nate. um, We had lunch together, we were just comparing notes. But um, I think about how many people make decisions on certainty. And so this question, why is certainty uncertain? I think it's a great one because it's a moving target. And there's some people that throw caution to the wind and they probably shouldn't do that. And there's other people, I need all my ducks in a row to make a decision. And I wonder how that plays out in the life of faith.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think Nate is a great person to talk to about this. And I'm really, really excited to hear his wisdom. Hey, Nate.
1: Without further ado, welcome to the Why God Home Man, Park, it's great to be here. I appreciate the invite. This this is awesome, and this is another brother moment. This is yeah. pretty sweet. Yeah. And I warned you, Peter, out of the gate, right? Like, you know, you can ask me whatever <laughs> questions you want to ask me, but at the end of the day, it's going to come back to hunting yeah. in some way, shape,
2: or form. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just yes,
1: letting exactly. everyone know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so I just need to explain to all of our listeners, um, you are on email change and text messages that – you know, you get a lot of them, and they're humorous. I felt like when I sent the email to invite Nate and John for this podcast, <laughs> I was a bystander, and I was the one that started it. But anyways, so our
1: wives, I think, yeah. feel the same way of like <laughs> really just rolling talk about John. And I have we, I think, we met in the woods. Yes, I think we probably did with our dads yeah. out hunting, and we've obviously shared that passion. Yeah, very deeply. Man. Very deeply. It's, it's not an obsession. Out there has it's hunting pet.
0: land that they would like
1: to let us hunt on. We are wide open. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, let's take a shot. Um, yeah. And, okay. Just, <laughs> hey, look at that. Hey, Peter. Good job. That. You're catching right on. I nice. Oh, I so, love that. so let me let me get started. So you've been you know kind of reflecting on certainty and uncertainty, and so I I guess my curiosity to you is how do you encounter this conversation of having enough certainty to move forward how have you seen it as a leader
1: uh it's a good question i think you know i was thinking recently about uncertainty really was around the beginning of a new year and thinking about like a lot of us plan a lot of us have ideas or goals that we're thinking about for the year ahead some of us don't and and that that's fine too but one of the realities that i think all of us face that we yet rarely think about or have a plan about is uncertainty right like when those plan b moments unexpected life events happen to all of us like not a lot of us are thinking what do we do in that moment or like how do i process through this how should i respond where's god in this man those are the moments that we all experience to one degree or another but oftentimes can really rattle us and so i uh yeah i just spent some time trying to think through even in my own life and journey how do I tend to respond how can I encourage other people you know in a whether it's a counseling situation or just a mentor or a friend situation um you know it's both For my benefit how can I grow in my understanding of how do I handle uncertainty but then also to what what can I how can I encourage other people so I don't know if that answers your question but it's a part of all of our lives uncertainty is a reality in life and I think it can lead to a lot of hurt pain challenges but also some incredible growth and uh that God can show up in incredible ways in the midst of uncertainty.
2: Personally, if we had the spectrum of ambiguity on one side and complete certainty on the other, scale of 1 to
1: 10, where do you put yourself? Meaning in terms of like how I view life?
2: Yeah, like how you go day to day, you know,
1: if you were. I'm a certainty, the planned, routine, like, yes. So you're
2: like a 12.
1: Yes. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's accurate. <laughs> Off the scale, whatever the scale I'm on. <laughs> you
2: you, you want to bet on the horses after the race. Is that what you're telling me? You got it. Not sure. that you bet, but, yeah, you know. Yeah, of course yeah. not. Never. Well,
0: let's, let's explore this a little bit, because um, that's what we like to do. Get a Love little it. practical in your own life. You know, we've we've gone through many uncertain times <laughs> together. So uh you can bring any of those up if you'd like. Uh but just in your own life, what are some instances where this has played out for you? Like of where sure. you felt like, oh my goodness, like this I was not expecting this to happen in this moment and now it's I was
1: actually thinking about this recently yeah. and like, man, what 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 I say is like the the biggest uncertainty I've ever had to face in life. And I was wrestling with it and I actually talked to my wife Emily about this and I was like, Hey Em, Em, what do you you think back even over our time together, our marriage, what would you say is the biggest, you know, uncertainty? And I had been pondering this and she, I asked her this question and it didn't take like one second before she just said this word. She just said, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> and those who don't know, we have three kids, Olivia Landon and Claire. Claire is our our, our youngest and she was a surprise. She was an unexpected event. And uh, anyways, it, that was pretty funny because I was like, oh yeah, right. But uh, that was a little unexpected, but we love our Claire Bear. She's yeah. she's great and and she's she's wonderful. But um, that's kind of a funny one. But I think actually a big one that I've actually had to I think work through and wrestle with in terms of uncertainty that I've had to walk through is really probably my my sister Allie. She's two years older than I am, and back in 2011, um, at the age of 30, she was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, and so, and she had just gotten married too. So, been married for seven months, just turned thirty years old. I still remember her sharing that news with our family, and just kind of being rocked with like, "Whoa!" Anytime you hear the cancer word thrown around, there's just you don't know. There's a level of uncertainty. Man, is what does this mean? What is this going to look like? Why? And doubt, and all sorts of questions entered um, my mind, and so that, and that was a wrestling that continued. It wasn't short lived because. She went through chemotherapy. That really didn't have an effect on her. It wasn't really working. They found out she was going to have to transfer to Indianapolis temporarily to get a stem cell transplant in the hopes that that would help. And life was just hard even in the midst of that. They were hoping to get a house. That fell through. They had dear friends that lost a loved one. So I just remember that season of my life just trying to like put together like, whoa, here's this uncertainty that struck our family. You know what do i do with this where do i go god where are you in the midst of this too and you know how are how are you using this for good and what does that look like but that in terms of a personal example that's probably the biggest one that was rocked my world probably the hardest
0: yeah uh, well i think a lot of people who are listening right now can totally identify with that moment like and that that sense of questioning like, God, where are you in this? And there's people listening that are like in the midst of that. God, where are you in this? And I think it's, it's a great thing for us to be able to offer to them to go, this is some of the things, the questions that I asked God in the middle of that and been okay with. So like, what are some of the questions that you felt like you were asking God in the middle of that? Sure. You know, struggle with your sister dealing with cancer and and not knowing how everything is going to end.
1: I think for sure the, the first question was just why. You know, you're trying to wrap your mind around why. God, she loves you. She, her family, they love you. They want to serve you with their lives. They just got married. Why would you allow this to happen? So I think initially it's it's just trying to under, under understand that. And I think part of that too is we hope that that's going to bring a level of comfort and peace that we're searching for and we're all searching for, but sometimes that can be hard to figure out and spot, especially when it's really hard and personal and close to home. So I think for me, it was was primarily just trying to make sense of it, which isn't always easy easy to do. So for me, it was, why? Why is this happening? If you're good, God, why would you allow this to happen? What's your point in this? But those, with the goal of trying to find this comfort, Mm -hmm. even in the midst of the hurt, yeah. So I think that that's kind of where I initially went.
2: Well, <clears throat> so I'm I'm curious because um you know, I'm a pastor John Desmond and like I think first of all for you to acknowledge that you doubted God, I think it's so important to relate as John mentioned, but I guess I'm I'm kind of wondering did you feel like you had to be certain in front of your sister and then you brought your uncertainties by yourself. I mean, talk about us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was definitely, I think you want to be strong. Yeah, You want to be positive, encouraging that, you know, you know that they're struggling, you know, we all as a family are, but for sure, you know, my sister. So you want to project this level of everything it's God's got this, you know? And I think that can be one of my struggles too within Christianity is I feel like Christians don't wrestle. Well, I don't wrestle well. And you know, maybe you've experienced this as well. Like you're in the midst of a struggle or you're trying to wrestle through a trial or embrace something about God. And you know, that well-meaning Christian comes up to you with a smile mm-hmm. on their face. Like, man, just let go and let God, he is good. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And they're saying all these things that theologically are accurate and their intentions may be good, but like in the moment, like you just want to reach out and like do what the Bible says and lay hands on them, you know, and like, <laughs> around their neck. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because God doesn't feel good. In the moment and you're, you're struggling and you're, and you're wrestling. And I think sometimes there's this idea within Christianity of like, I can't take my questions to God. I got to sweep that into a corner of my heart and in my life and just never doubt, never question God. But you know, what's interesting though, is you look, I mean, a third of the Psalms are, are from people questioning God, Jeremiah, Ecclesiastes, Job, you have all these books In the Bible of people questioning God, which I think shows us like, man, we shouldn't pull away in those moments. We should lean in. God's not afraid of our questions. He wants to hear our doubts and our concerns. And I think that's actually part of, I think, what helps you develop a mature and growing faith is when you lean in and you ask those hard questions rather than turning from God, turning your back, throwing your arms up in the air, running in a totally different direction. So... But it's it's tough. Even as a pastor, you want to have all the right answers, right? I want to be able to say, here's how God's going to use all this and use it for his good in my life and in the people around you. But man, sometimes it's hard It's hard to see that or spot it. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, I think one of the most dangerous phrases that I've heard Christians kind of say to other Christians or to people who aren't following Jesus, like, and to try to help is God will never give you more than you can handle, mm. You know, I think that's to me, that's a very, very like it sounds really nice, but the it's only actually problem, not biblical. Yeah. <laughs> the only problem is it isn't in the Bible anywhere. Right, exactly. You know, I mean, cancer is more than you can handle. Right. You know, I mean, you can't do that. Right. And um, can you speak to that a little bit like. That concept, like God will never give you more than
1: typically you that comes from I man, I should know the passage. It's in First Corinthians, but it, it, it goes to temptation, right? God's not gonna tempt you beyond what you can respond and his spirit will guide you and help you be able to to work out of that. Mm-hmm. But some people will take that to say, like, well, then that then means, man, I'll never have to experience anything that's beyond what I can handle. But that that is not true, and that's not what that verse is really talking about. So yes, to your point, John, I think you said it so well, God can and will. And oftentimes the greatest seasons of growth are when we're beyond our own selves and our own strength. We just can't handle it on our own that God's strength is made perfect. It's in the midst of our weakness and and, and struggle. So, um, no, I, I agree with you. I think God definitely does give us more than we can handle at times to help us, not just to beat on us or to be this God up in heaven, like, you know, just, you know, trying to strike lightning at us the moment we mess up, but... He's a loving heavenly father that wants to help us grow and sometimes it's in the midst of those struggles that we get to the end of ourselves where we can truly like, okay God, there's no way I can do this. I need your help. You know, so yeah, he definitely gives us more than we can handle.
2: So take me back to um 18-year-old Nate at uh were you at Rebasted
1: about... Tips oh, chains, no. <laughs> you... wife beater t-shirts. <laughs> I,
2: I love it. Take it take us back. I think you were at uh Baptist Bible College,
1: correct. Um, Clark Summit University. That, oh, I was, no. I was getting CSU, the CSU, the CSU, uh,
2: the yeah. CSU University. Um,
0: Playing soccer, he's a gazelle too. He, you should watch this guy play. Just I, play I was, gazelle. that was,
2: I love this. This yeah. is, this is great. Yeah, Back free, day, free, free commentary. Um, was Jacobs your coach? You know,
1: Coach Jacobs.
2: Uh, we'll we'll talk offline. Whoa, but, uh, all but right. I, I went to. Anyways, we'll we'll keep going. Okay. But, um, talk about how your relationship with uncertainty was when you were eighteen, versus today. What's changed? What's the same? You know, and I guess I'm kind of I'm wondering too. How much of a plan did you have for your life, and just what does that look like now?
1: Sure, man. Goodness. Peter, you're good at asking questions. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. You gotta
2: stay away from
1: he will ask the really good ones. Yeah. Man, that's I I don't what what the first thing that comes to my mind is probably, you know, I was talking about earlier we just sweep things under I just think I was oblivious and unaware when I was 18. Like I, I don't know that I really handled uncertainty well or knew how to really beyond just sweeping it under the rug and just plowing forward, not realizing, okay, what is that doing inside of me? Because obviously it's it's having some sort of impact. So I think time and experience kind of drive that out of you. Like, and I think part of it too was, I probably felt a sense of control more than I feel now. Like when I was younger, like, man, I'm in control. If I just work hard and and just put in whatever energy, things will be fine. And, you know, there's this whole, that's just an illusion, right? And at some point in time, life smacks you in the face long enough to realize you're not in control. I, I can't control every situation and, and, and circumstance around me. So, and I don't know if that's just being a parent and your kids start, you know, you realize like, I can love my kids. I can discipline them. I can I can encourage them. But the one thing I cannot control them. So I think that whole control piece was, as I look back, probably something I've come along way and and understanding
2: yeah well let's get specific like what really rattled you was it like you couldn't control dating you might react was it trying to get a job out of college like kind of take us into your like if i um took some control from nate what would happen and maybe what was the issue
1: yeah i think i think i would just find a way to do it Oh. I think I would like if if I have my mindset on something or I feel like, man, this is a direction like I I can make that happen, you know, and that's not a healthy place to be, you know. So I think it it's letting go of that control or I would just seize control or ramp up even more to make sure, OK, this is this is a direction we're going to go, you know, so I, I think an example of that would be. John, you might even remember this. So, coming out of college, trying to figure out what in the world do I do, and trying to just get a job, you know, and and start, you know, getting some sort of financial stability, and just trying to figure out, okay, what does that look like? And um, and my wife Emily and I, we were engaged at the time, and there weren't really any great opportunities in Rochester, but there was an opportunity to take a teaching job right out of college down in Pennsylvania. And I think that was hard because we both grew up here in Webster and our families were here in Webster and the idea, and I think the hope and the dream had always been to be in Webster. And so do we-
2: Where life is worth living. You
1: got it, right. So why would you ever think about you know, leaving? And I know here was a great opportunity down in Pennsylvania for me to take right out of college. And there were kind of mixed thoughts on like, what do we do? What do we not do? Should we say yes to this or say no? And not that I don't think that that was an unhealthy thing, but it was in that moment where I had different ideas and thoughts that I were hearing from people. And I just was like, I, I, I just have to make a decision. And I feel like this is the route we need to go. So I don't know if that answers your question or. Well, did you, did you date Emily in high school or did you start? Oh boy, that's a whole nother. (laughs) We were friends, went to our junior prom. It's called junior senior banquet, but in the Christian school world, it's not a prom. You don't use that word, but we were friends in high school. We never dated um, in, in high school we didn't date until after it was right at the end of our freshman year of college that we actually started dating
0: that's mm-hmm. because you'd kiss dating goodbye right?
1: absolutely yeah. I was not no, interested in girls at yeah. all yeah. In
0: by,
2: <laughs> by the way that book is no longer published so um
0: Although it was popular when he was in high school, but I don't think you followed that to my my knowledge.
1: I was given many a copy, but I still, I I didn't read any of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't either. So just so you know, this is in no way a uh, endorsement of that book. But anyway, or maybe it should be. I I I have no idea, but.
2: No, it's, it's just interesting because I, I think if someone looked at the highlights of your life, they might say, oh, he meets his future wife in high school, gets married in college. Now you're, you know, a, a pastor of a site. And like what you're saying is you're connecting the dots from college to 20s to 30s right now. And you're saying, you know, those highlights look great, but there was a ton of uncertainty in between those. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, 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 been a, it's been a journey. And I think that's part of, I, I really believe, how we, how we grow. You know, I, I really believe that it's in those moments. Like you just do a brief survey of the Bible, like all these people that God came to and asked them to lead and to, to live for him in the midst of incredible uncertainty. I mean, just Noah, Abraham, Moses, Nehemiah, Daniel, Jesus, Paul, like he's asking people to like lead and serve him in the midst of incredible uncertainty. And I think that has been, you know, A a part of my, I think my faith journey uh, of growth as well, just learning like none of us want to go through it. And so going back to your question too, I think one of the things that I've learned is when uncertainty hits, it's okay to question and it's okay to ask why. I just try to encourage in, in my own life and other people, like, don't, just don't stay there too long. Try to get to the what. Don't just stay at why, try to get to a, the what, because there's a what in there that God wants to show you in the midst of that uncertainty that's going to help you grow, that's going to help you become more like Christ, it's going to help you be a better leader, pastor, husband, father, and so on and so forth down the line. So, um, But that's hard, it's hard to do, and that's taken me a while to get there. I, I, I'm, I'm still learning.
0: So in the middle of that, like, I love, I love how you're transitioning there, get to the what, what does that look like? And even maybe in your own life, as you looked at that situation with your sister going through cancer, like what does it look like to transition from, okay, I'm just asking God, why is this happening to the what?
1: Sure. What does that I think, like? oof, yeah, it's, it's kind of getting to this like point in your life where it's not about like, well, you know, cause really at the, at the root of uncertainty is fear. Right. It's this fear of lack of control. It's fear of what if this happens? Well, what if that happens? What if, and it's what's helped me, I think is getting to the point of not just what if, but even if like, okay, even if this happens, let me run down, like what could happen here or what may potentially happen. Well, even if that happens, then I just remind myself, God's still on the throne. He's still good. I know his son, Jesus, and my eternity is secure, and I have hope in him. And then you can even... You can break that down even practically, too, of whatever the circumstance or situation is. So, you know, for my my sister, um, I think it was being able, man, if God, if the stem cell transplant doesn't work, at the end of the day, her greatest need has already been met. It's been met through Christ. She will spend eternity with Christ. So, like, there's a level of certainty in the midst of uncertainty that can bring an incredible amount of hope Um, which is the gospel. And so that I think was helpful for me, even in that situation of like, man, okay, I'm still wrestling and I still have questions, but yet God, I know this world is broken. It's not designed and, and functioning the way you want it to or designed it to, but you've been a part of bringing about restoration and reconciliation through Christ. And this is a reminder to me of what is to come and the hope that we have in you. So Um, I think it's rooted in Christ. That, that really is what anchored me through my sister's uh, Mm -hmm. journey of just coming back to the fact like her greatest need is met and that was met in Christ. And man, we're going to pray like crazy that God's going to still heal her and, uh, and praise God. The stem cell transplant did work. She's been cancer free, you know, since that point on, um, they have two beautiful young kiddos, but, uh yeah, that's what helped. I think just reminding me of what's true because it's in those moments, it's so easy to believe these what if, or this lie, or this might be that you have to acknowledge that, try to see it. And sometimes you need people to help you see it Mm -hmm. and then try to replace it with something certain. Yeah.
0: I think what what you're hitting on, it seems to me, Nate, you're talking about kind of like dealing in a sense with the anxiety that comes from uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Like I was in a counselor's office a few weeks ago and I was talking about some uncertain things in my life and he was kind of leaning into describing kind of like what you're talking about the process that you're talking about and he said um okay what if that happens and I was like uh um I guess this and then he goes okay well what if that happens and I'm like no okay that and and I spent probably half an hour going through what-if scenarios, just sitting there working through the what-ifs. And it's amazing, but that actually helps alleviate some of the anxiety that's associated with uncertainty because you realize, well, actually, you know what? I would I would survive mm-hmm. and um, God would take care of me and things would be okay on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, now people are obviously going through situations that are pretty serious. And maybe some people listening are like, Oh, that's nice, John, but you don't understand what I'm going through. How about even those worst case scenarios, you know, where people are, maybe they're the one with cancer and they don't know how this is going to work out for them. And they don't know for sure, you know, what's happening afterwards. Like,
1: yeah. That's tough, bro. Yeah, Yeah, it's hard because in those moments, I think at least, man, what comes to my mind is like, the one thing that is certain is what happens after. If the worst case scenario happens, so in that example, like that extreme, you lose your life, then it's like, it's all about the gospel and do you understand and embrace who Jesus is and why he came? Um, that's really your only hope in that situation. It could even be beyond that. I mean, God could use your story and your example as a great example and encouragement to inspire so many other people that that are going to or are going through something similar to that. But man, that's tough. That's a tough question. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, if you're in that situation, it's really a matter of Eternal life and death, and do you know Christ?
2: You know, we're we're going to be doing a podcast episode on. I don't know if you've heard the term deconstruction. You know, I've been hit pretty hard. Um, man, I'm forgetting the blogger's name, it's uh, Rhett, Rhett and Link, Rhett and Link. John yeah. and I have been texting about it. Are
1: you the idea of like deconversion stories? Yeah, Is that yeah, what you yeah. You mean where people who claimed to follow Christ but have now since backed yeah, away? Or, yeah, yes.
2: Uh, what you know, just. I feel like one of the themes that kind of arises from this is I'm certain of science, but I'm uncertain of Jesus. I'm certain of this, like, and so I guess, you know, as a pastor, you've probably encountered people that are in the midst of this situation. I'm sure even our listeners, I think all four of us that are sitting here right now, we we would hate to see someone suffer in silence, thinking like, I have all these questions and I feel like so as you think about certainty in that area of deconstruction, um, I'd love to hear kind of how that plays out in your mind, how you would talk to someone, how you'd speak to someone who they're saying this side's uncertain and Christianity's, you know, very or the other side's certain and Christianity's uncertain. Or you're just saying, hey, you're telling me faith is certain that Jesus is on the other side. I don't know that.
1: Yeah, man, poof, that's a great question. I think the first thing I would say is I, I, I feel, and I don't know that this is always true, but a lot of times people who walk away from the faith or from the church typically don't get to a point where they've done all this research and they've dug in and they've studied God's word and they've, you know, examined, you know, the claims that Jesus made about himself. Typically, people are walking away from other Christians. They're, they're walking away from a church or a bad church experience. It's not usually a result of I've done all this study and so now I'm giving up my faith. And so um, I would just encourage, if someone's really wrestling with, okay, do I, am I rejecting a faith that I once held? I, I, would, I would try to point them to really just Jesus and the claims that he made and like, did the resurrection really happen? Did it not? You know, because that's the foundation of our faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I think... A lot of times people are walking away or walking away more from, I think, a view they had in their minds that was never really accurate because of the the church that they grew up in or they're walking away because they've seen a group of Christians act and behave in just awful, terrible, unloving ways, unlike Jesus would want. And so they're they're transitioning away from that. So um, now that may not always be the case. There could be people who are really intellectual and they're trying to dive into these really big, you know, deep end of the theological pool of we could go down any number of rabbit trails on that front. So, um, yeah, I love that answers your question at all. No,
2: no, I think, you know, cause I, I'm wondering about the l- listeners who say that, like, I feel like whether you follow Jesus or not, there's actually this assumption that you have your life taken care of. I gotcha, you know, and, and whether you're deconstructing or not, um, I just recently heard a pastor say like, I have a plan for my daughter's life. And just for him to say that and sit there and say, I have a plan for my daughter's life, but that might not be God's plan for her life. Mm. And, uh, I, I guess there's this idea now that we can have all this control. We can have all this certainty until a moment like your sister getting cancer, you know, we're, I mean, yesterday, at the time of this recording, it was Kobe Bryant's memorial service. I don't know how many people I hear kind of jump up there and say, man, life's so precious, life's so short. And it's kind of like, well, that points you back to religion, quote unquote, and even just points you back to Jesus, quote unquote. So I don't know what, what other thought based on current culture and like that, what other thoughts are you thinking about?
1: Man. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't really know. I think, you know, you think of these situations that we see, like a lot of big ones, like Aaron Rodgers recently made a quote, like, how could God exist when bad things happen essentially? Or or why would a loving God send people to an eternal Mm. hell or separation from him? Kobe Bryant, like, how do you make sense of these big moments that happen? And I think, you know, a couple things can happen. I think people get angry at God because of that. Like, man, if you're all powerful and loving, why would you allow these things to happen? Like I think that's probably maybe the first question people are wrestling with. And I think if if I'm in a conversation, I'm not trying to preach hard to someone, but I, I guess what I would be trying to do is I think it's misplaced blame is at the root of it. Where people in those situations, they question and blame God, where I would say, Well, man, that's at the heart of understanding the gospel that God is good and loving. He created everything good. We chose a turn from that plan and take matters into our own hands, which brought about the chaos, the death, the hurt and the pain that we see right now. And so trying to help them understand, like it's God who's pursuing us and trying to love us and save us and rescue us, not trying to just punish or just beat on you or whatever it is. So it's placing that blame on like, man, that's a result of us, our sinfulness, our disobedience. It's not God. He's the one trying to rescue us. So that's, again, that's a conversation. That's a hard conversation, you know, with someone who's in the midst of, deep pain and sorrow. So it's not like you just jump jump right in and smack someone over the head. But I think at the end of the day, it's like, who caused this pain? Why did this death have to happen? Why did this? And I think people can react one of two ways. Either you blame God and get angry at Him, or you realize, man, at the end of the day, that was a result of us turning our back against God. Um, so I think that is kind of the root and foundation of how you're able to navigate through uncertainty. Mm.
0: Would you say that one of the ways that we can, you know, coming from a Christian worldview, a Christian faith, that we that helps us walk through this is the fact that Jesus actually suffered? Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Like the way that we view the world isn't that God is this distant mm-hmm. um, being far away from us, but that He actually engaged and walked in our suffering? with us.
1: Yes. I love that. One of my favorite verses, John sixteen thirty three. you know, Jesus is talking here. What I love about Jesus, he never beats around the bush. He just says, look, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Mm. <laughs> Meaning what's the seven day forecast for your life, Peter? It's trouble, trouble, trouble. Like trouble is going to happen. And remember Jesus is God, the creator stepping into his creation. Mm. Like that. that's a massive, I think, encouragement to know, like, He experienced, he walked this journey, experienced hurt, pain, ridicule, all of that. And But I love the latter part of that verse is, but take heart because I've overcome the world. And so the cross is like this incredible, beautiful picture of where like the uncertainty of in this world, you have trouble, will have trouble meets up with the triumph of, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So whatever you're experiencing, whatever pain, even though you may not understand it or get it. God does, and he can sympathize and empathize with you, and you can take incredible comfort in that, that Jesus, he, he knows the pain that you're feeling and experiences. He's, he's walked that journey, and I think that provides incredible hope and encouragement, I think, in the midst of, of incredible, deep pain. Um, so
2: You know, I'm listening to both of you talk, and there's this thought that's coming in. I wonder what uncertainty people are okay with because there's rarely a person I meet that like, they need to have their life a hundred percent certain. So I think of like the entrepreneur, like they're okay with being uncertain. How
1: much risk are you? Okay <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. yeah.
2: And um, you know, I even think of, you know, we all play sports. Like there's a level of uncertainty of doing, I mean, just the embarrassment and it's, it's funny with faith, we kind of say it's okay to be certain over here, but the moment it comes to something with it, and maybe it's because it's more serious, Mm. but like, you know, I've talked to entrepreneurs before who have completely failed and I'll ask them, would you do that again? they go, oh yeah, absolutely. Even if I knew the, and it just, it's odd to me because I wonder even the skeptics or the people going through deconstruction or the fully vested Christians, like, Where are you okay with uncertainty and why?
1: Mm. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's a deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) So you're describing Pedro like you're stepping into the batter's box and you just don't know. You don't know if you're going to get a fastball. You don't know if you're going to get a curveball. Are are we allowed a a third of the time? You're not going to get a hit. Are yeah. we are we allowed to make an
2: Astros joke? Or because uh, I, I assume <laughs> they
0: are sponsoring
2: our podcast, so I think we're we free. It, that's you know, game there. You know yeah, if you're in the batter's box and you know the video's out. But anyways, we won't go there. I'm yeah. a Yankees fan, but man um, Come on, there we go, there we go. Yeah. There we go. I, I I don't know. I just I just find it interesting that there the people that kind of scream about uncertainty. There's certain things mm. in their life that are okay, and I would say that there is more control. Like the people that I interact with it's, you know, I want my kid to go to an Ivy league school. I want them, you know, to become really rich. And then even some of the young adults I interact with, it's, you know, we're all, I think we're all millennials here. If you're not, don't tell us, but, uh, you know, whether you're a gen X or millennial or even gen Z, like you want the certainty without the uncertain. So, I want to become the president of the company. I want to start making $100,000. But like, we don't always see that to take that promotion. Yeah, you might make $70,000 and then end up making one hundred and twenty. dollars but there's extra, you might work 60 more hours a week because of that uncertainty, but we're okay with that.
1: Sure. And I think there's a threshold on your makeup some people are just more open to uncertainty it doesn't bother them than certain people that really struggle like everything needs to be crossed and dotted like i gotta you know no uncertainty and i that probably ebbs and flows just based on, on your makeup i would i would guess how much you're okay with like i'm gonna send it and we'll see what happens yeah. you know versus other people like i gotta have an exact plan though how often do you edit email we won't ask that but
2: well speaking of that your threshold um you know john wrote so eloquently on our notes about the enneagram oh i
1: knew you were gonna go to <laughs> waiting
2: so you know uh, so marilyn van was on one of our past episodes and um i'm just curious you know rumor has it you identify as a three you know Talk to us of how you kind of walk through uncertainty as a three and, you know, the high side, the low side, you know, the the best side, the worst side.
1: Yeah. So I will first off just say I am no expert in the Enneagram. I've dabbled a little bit, read a book, which nowadays if you read Dark a book, books. you're like an yeah, expert. Oh yeah. You're an expert. So <laughs> So I, We
0: have talked about that book on vacation. Yes,
1: it's, yeah. and it's actually been awesome. We, I, My wife, Emily, and I, we are within the last year have really started to have good conversations and dialogue uh, about the Enneagram. It has really helped us a ton in terms of just understanding one another better, being able to serve and love one another better, and, as well as— What does she identify as? She's a nine. Oh, okay. So I'm a three. She's a nine. So I'm no expert, but I think one of the things I'm slowly learning about being a three. So a three is like an achiever, a, a performer. Like I, I got to win at all costs. I got to project success and, you know, I got this and everything it is great. And so I think when it when I think about that as it relates to uncertainty, um, I think some of the dangers I can feel is that, you know, when uncertainty hits, it's like this overdrive like how do I seize control or make things look good or this image of me look good to people around me which is not always is not healthy and I think the biggest struggle for me is and this is what I'm learning and I'm no expert on but like being okay with allowing people to appreciate me for who I am not who I project to be that's a big struggle for threes threes are like you want to be successful you want to do all these great things and you want people to love the 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 unhealthy side of that is you want people to love you for really who, all this external stuff that you're doing versus like, it's okay to just be me, you know, and not have to feel like I always have to achieve something or do something great. So, uh, that's a struggle that I'm slowly though, starting to see and spot like, what was the motivation for why, you know, I did this or did that. And, um, how do you
2: go into damage control? Like, you know, just I I hear that like something happens wrong and you know, you go into you know, damage and I'll be fair, I'll I'll answer that question as a two. So that way it's not a and maybe John will and you know.
1: Yeah. I think good night. I wish Em was here. She's always so good at just saying, let me, let me, let me explain this for you. So what does damage control look like for me? I think it could be, well, I guess it could be a couple of different things. It could be like the unhealthy side of a three is you just kind of give up and you just like almost like retreat slothfulness and Mm. you're just like, okay, now I just don't want to, I just don't want to work. I don't want to, cause it's fear of rejection. It's fear of being, you know, unsuccessful. Um, I think the other side of it is just anxiety and worry, and mm. so it's just like coming up with these plans, or if I do this, or what if I, what if, what if I do that, and so it's just essentially trying to almost grab control or over control. Uh, total access is a descriptor that I've heard <laughs> before as well, but those kind of I guess what are is what does total access mean? That means just like, like yeah, you are just one hundred percent like all consuming whatever problem you're trying to solve Uh, or whatever you're trying to pursue i'm just um, whatever total excess yeah
2: you know it's funny because when i do damage control probably where i experience uncertainty the most i live with a level of ambiguity of like like so i'm the person i send a number of three thousand person emails and like In an unhealthy way, but maybe in a healthy way, like if I missed a comma or misspelled a word, even though I have grammarly, I'm kind of past that. But I think relationship wise and even with something like that, if someone that I trust, like, says to me, like, you misspelled that, like, I'm not worried about the misspelling. It's more about do they think I'm incompetent or do they think something like that? And, um, you know, I think about with my relationships where I do damage control and my wife calls me out on this. She's like, you apologize seven times for something you didn't do wrong, but because I felt the equilibrium and it's so funny with this question about uncertainty where I try to create certainty. And even when I'm really unhealthy is, um, You know, you're over complimenting Mm -hmm. because you're trying, and it's not. You just want that person to like you, exactly, exactly. I'm this little puppy, but I don't know, John. What about you?
0: No, I mean that resonates with me. Both, you know, parts of what both of you guys are saying resonate for sure. And I I think for me, it's about um, when I feel like I am keeping other people close, other people are around me, like, and I feel those relationships are intact, like. Oh, all is good with the world. But once those start breaking down and the uncertainty is there in those relationships for me, that's where it really gets triggered. Like you know, whether that's with my wife or my kids or whatever it is, once those relationships start breaking down, then it get it becomes this all consuming anxiety can can happen, and I have to try to fix that so that I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's me and my dark. Mm. You know, um, I think I've grown to the point where I realize sometimes things just take time and not every relationship that I have is going to be perfect at every time of my life. But that's naturally where I, I think I, I tend toward going is to obsess over that.
2: Mm. Now, do you feel like, you know, cause with certainty and like when you feel strongly about something and you begin debating, do you feel like you kind of go all in aggressive or do you feel you try to weigh the room out or something? I mean,
1: just curious. Sure. It, I guess it, it depends. If it's something I'm really passionate about, like I won't lose. I'll I'll just keep (laughs) needling or asking questions or pushing, or if I feel set on it, I'm trying to think of an example. Nothing's coming to mind right now, but it, a lot of it just depends. I feel like I'm okay. Like if it's, if it's, a general like where do we want to go to eat or or, uh, like I'm okay with that but man if it's something I'm really passionate about or I I I, yeah I I won't I won't I guess give up or Mm. lose that argument quickly
2: Mm. so you know this has been a great conversation Uh, probably two more questions and then we'll kind of close it but I guess my question to you is for the people that struggle with uncertainty you know, what are a few pieces of advice that you'd want to give them? And John and I will probably chime in too, but I'd just be curious, you know, you actually just got done preaching about this. So, you know, great, uh, great messages make great podcasts, right?
1: I love it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. It's certainly easier on my end or helpful, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess if I was trying to encourage some, someone, I think at the end of the day, I, I think you have to come to this point of like, it really comes down to the foundation of your, of your, of your faith and your worldview, how you, how you interpret just the everyday struggles that we all have. And Mm. I think a thing that's been helpful for me is like, okay, is the foundation of my, my faith rooted in the circumstances of life and meaning God's activity, or is it rooted in his, his identity? And there's a huge difference there because if, if you're going about life and you're experiencing uncertainty and you're trying to then interpret God and draw conclusions about God based on just circumstances, meaning Uh his activity. That is a very shaky faith because we all experience uncertainty. And so if things are good and that equates to God being good, but then if things are bad, then that equates to Uh God being bad. Whew. That is a roller coaster. So I guess just the biggest thing I try to encourage people: is don't don't base it on his activity, base it on his identity. Mm. Like what we right, because we're trying to find truth, we're trying to find certainty. So root it in who we know God to be: His character, His promises, how He's demonstrated and and shown how much He loves us through His Son Jesus. Like, base it on His identity, not His activity, meaning circumstances. And I think that can at least give you a foundation. It doesn't mean it's going to answer every question and everything is rosy and great, but it at least gives you a solid foundation for then how to walk through uncertainty that inevitably you're going to face.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I don't, I don't necessarily think I could add a a ton to that. Uh, I think that's a great way to kind of a a great framework to use. I think I would just, you know, kind of say, Kind of what I said before, of asking those what if questions as well, I think is mm. one way to to work through uncertainty in your life. And, you know, certainly for for things that aren't major events, but things that you can look at and go like, wow, OK, this what if this happens? What if this happens? Then what? Then mm. what? Then what? I think they're working through that in that way can be can be helpful as well.
2: Something that, you know, I've been thinking about and, um, you know, John, you brought up your therapist who might be my therapist, maybe, maybe maybe someday, you know, anyways, um, you know, my wife is in mental health and I've heard her say this over and over again. She says, befriend your anxiety. And I think you've hinted at that, Nate. And so have you, John, and maybe befriend your uncertainty, um, I think a lot of times what we try to do is we take the beach ball in the pool and we try to push it down somehow, you know, by doing other things and, and that ball inevitably pops up, but by befriending it, you know, what's really below that. And I think even what you've described, you know, you've said, you know, some people would call it fear. That's what you call it. Some people would call it anxiety. Maybe it's frustration. Maybe it's control, um, but by befriending it i think you're asking yourself why is this such a big deal why do i feel this way what does that have to say about it? is it about my image is it about my control and in some ways we like judge ourselves by like perfection and just to realize like to be human means i will experience this to be human means this is part of life and i think that that's true whether you follow jesus or not and and i I think what you're clarifying is when we know that we're created in God's image, when we're loved by Him, when we're accepted by Him, it allows us to walk through life in a very different way than if not. And, um, you know, i I think sometimes we say things like everything happens for a reason, and we're I mean, we're just throwing cliches out, Let go and let God. Right. And it's really we're not getting to the issue because even if we found out what that reason was, but we still have these issues, these heart issues, we're gonna run into that again, so.
0: Yeah, wow, wow, great conversation, love it. And we always end our podcast with this one. So we're letting you back clean up today. All, right. All right. right. Yeah. So That's a lot you, of pressure. That is you, can, a lot of we, man.
2: you can fix our heresy. That's,
0: that's right. Yeah. So <laughs> Peter and I go first. That's our typical thing. We let you back clean up, and uh, you're good at that. I've seen you play before, so this is going to be
1: natural for you. Um, Another brother moment. We have played many a church softball
2: that, that back in true. the day. That uh, is yes. true. Like against each other? Or against, against each
1: other. other. We, did, we did way back yeah. maybe a few times um, years ago. Right. To, uh, was it your dad was out there with us to a Webster Bible <laughs> Church, right, I think. Yeah. But yeah, we, and then in it, crew, it, yeah, we, we actually we won, won the championship. That's right.
2: Yeah. I uh, I retired from church yeah. softball. Um, Did you? Uh, oh, yeah. i have to get you back out there, Pedro. Well, hence the reason I retired. Oh, God. Gotcha.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so the question of the day is what would Jesus say about this? What would Jesus say about uncertainty and living with it? And Peter, it looks like you have a verse pulled up on your phone right now. You're, you're chomping at the bit. Let's go. I wouldn't say I'm
2: chomping. I just, you know, trying to help but a brother prepared. out. I'm prepared. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, uh, James four and it's funny. I, the message that I was referring to before it was Dave Hurtwick. It was one of our other guests. He's out in Syracuse and he was preaching on James four and it said, um, now listen to who you say today or tomorrow. Will we go to this city or that, spend a year there carry on a business and make money? Why uh, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist, um, appears for a little while, and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, it's if the Lord wills, we will live and do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All, all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. And I... I just think without unpacking this whole verse is it basically like counteracts the lie that you can have complete certainty and planning. And it's not necessarily that that's God's judgment. It's that freedom like that. You, God has not called you to be certain to make everything out because you don't have the ability to do that, but there's a freedom in living in, these are the things that God has has kind of given you the responsibility and the calling. And then there's certain things that he can take care of. And I, I wonder how often, and even hearing Nate's responses, I wonder how often we go into the areas that were never ours to kind of handle. Hmm. And so wherever you are faith-wise, I think wrestling with your need for certainty reveals something about what God wants to do inside of you. And instead of running from that, why not lean into that? Yeah, I love that.
0: You know, as I was thinking about this, I was just thinking about a a passage I just happened to be reading this morning about uh, one of the most famous guys in the New Testament, John the Baptist and Jesus. And uh, John the Baptist had this huge thriving ministry, but then he gets thrown into prison and he still has his disciples with him. And he sends his main people to Jesus to ask him a question, Mm -hmm. you know, are you the one that we're expecting or should we send somebody, should we expect somebody else? And Jesus, you know, he's having this real time of doubt and uncertainty because he's expecting Jesus to be something that he isn't. Mm. Like he shouldn't be sitting in prison. Technically, if Jesus is who he. thinks Jesus is and Jesus heals a bunch of people and does miraculous things. And then he sends his disciples back and he quotes Isaiah, which is this unbelievable passage that foretells the Messiah. And he says, um, tell them that the, the blind receive sight, the deaf receive hearing the prison, but he doesn't include one thing that Isaiah includes, which is the prisoners are set Mm. free. And even in that moment John the Baptist's faith is tested and and he says to 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 John like blessed is the one who doesn't fall away and um he's saying essentially I am who you're expecting but things aren't going to look the way that you expect them to mm. look and um, I think that's one of the big challenges that Jesus has for us. Like just because things don't look the way that we expect them to look doesn't mean that he isn't who he says he is. Mm. And um, that's true in my life as well. Um, I have to embrace that with my life that just because things don't look the way I, that I expect them to look, that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't who he says mm. he is. That's good. So that's what I got to say. Nate. Aaron guys, judge.
1: you mercy-run yeah. the other team. There's no <laughs> need for a, a cleanup hitter. You guys just crush. Aaron, it. I can, yeah, I just can, across from me right I, now.
2: I can hear my wife already saying, she's like, you need to quit complimenting each other. Like the bro-fest. And like the fact right. that you're here, like, you know, you kind of fit. I don't know. Yeah, Anyways, it's but.
1: It's But please, please. Great conversation. There you go. Yeah, I, the what just comes to mind, I, I mentioned it earlier. Like, what would Jesus have to say? I, I take a lot of comfort in John sixteen thirty three. you know, in this world, you will have trouble. So I think Jesus is helping us see and understand, like we will experience trouble. And I think especially in, 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 in America, like there is this idol of comfort mm. and security and I want life to be easy and I don't want things to be hard. And I think Jesus and his love for us is going to drive us out of that to get us to a point of recognizing our, our, our need. Our worth and our value doesn't come in everything being fine and certainty. It, it comes through him. And so, yes, we're going to experience trouble in this world. But then again, man, we can take heart because he's been there. He's experienced pain. He's experienced um, all the, the the trials of suffering, death itself and conquered death. So I think that that is man some incredible hope and comfort that we can have that Whatever you're facing, there's something in it that God wants to show you to help you understand him more deeply and love him more uh, wholly. Um, so I, I, I just take a lot of comfort in those words from, from Christ, man. In this word, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And that can give great hope in the midst of any uncertainty that we may face
2: we have had a great episode it's why is certainty so uncertain with uh, nate miller you can follow him on northridge um he's at, serving there at the church but also he's on instagram facebook um are you on twitter or did you give up on that
1: dude i am but like
2: i don't know that i've ever made a tweet we should same here uh, <laughs> I have a handle I'm like uh, yeah everybody um, hashtag Nate Miller TikTok how about that <laughs> there we go so uh, make sure you follow the why God why uh, podcast online you can use hashtag WGW podcast we are on Instagram Facebook Twitter as I would say give us a five star review on your podcast app as John would say do it um, honestly um, honestly do a five star review we yeah. love that My That'd be great. That'd be great. So, uh, we hope you have a wonderful day. You can see more and subscribe to our weekly email at uh, whygodypodcast.com. Why Thanks for joining us.